In this presentation, we will discuss the rules related to the earned income credit. Specifically, the qualifying child cannot be used by more than one person to claim the earned income credit. This is coming from publication 596. We're on rule nine. Your qualifying child cannot be used by more than one person to claim the earned income credit. And this would kind of make sense intuitively because we would think that the one individual, one person, the IRS only wants to see basically one social security number per person in one tax return. So if we have two people that there's a qualifying child, then of course there's a problem and typically something has to be dealt with in terms of who's going to have the qualifying child. So we want to be careful of that. Watch out for that. Back to the text. Sometimes a child meets the test to be a qualifying child for more than one person. However, only one of these persons can actually treat the child as a qualifying child. So note that it is possible if you look at the regulations, you're saying, well, hey, there's a qualifying child for me and for this other person. Well, what do I do there? Well, basically the thing is, well, now you have to have some type of tiebreaker so that uh, you don't have the qualifying child reported twice. So that's basically the IRS's position. Back to the text. Only that person can be can use the child as a qualifying child to take all the following tax benefits, provided the person is eligible for each benefit. So here's the benefits we're talking about. Number one, the child tax credit, credit for other dependents, and additional child tax credit. Number two, head of household filing status. Number three, the credit for child and dependent care expenses. Number four, the exclusion for dependent care benefits. And number five, the earned income credit. So we, of course, here are concentrating on the earned income credit. But note that as we think of a child on one return or the other, they can influence all of these uh, different things. So in that way, they're all kind of interwoven together. When we're considering one child, they could be somewhere or another. Now, obviously, they can have different effects on something like a head of household status and whatnot. It could depend if there's another child involved and many other types of factors that could be involved. But this, these are the things or the main type of things or some of the things that can be influenced by a child being on one return versus another return. Back to the text. The other person can't take any of these benefits based on this qualifying child. So that doesn't mean, note that doesn't mean that they can't take any of those benefits necessarily or they still don't qualify for something within them, but they can't do it based on the qualifying child if the qualifying child, of course, is not uh, being reported on that return, that being one of the requirements typically for many of those things we just looked at. Back to the text. In other words, you and the other person can't agree to divide this tax benefits between you. So note what that's saying. It's basically saying, hey, look, there's all these things going on here that could be related to uh, the child. It's not like you can say we can't basically break the, the these benefits up if they're all reliant on the child. We can't basically say, hey, it would be best for taxes overall if we report the child for this benefit over here and that benefit over there. And that would have the best tax effect. You can see how messy that would be from a tax return standpoint, because then we would have the, the two social security numbers on two different returns and we'd have to verify that the, you know, the benefit was only used for this purpose here and that purpose there. So that's basically one of the reasons or my interpretation of one of the reasons that the IRS basically says, hey, one person's going to basically get all the benefits of the individual child that could include these five items. Uh, as part of those uh, and the other will not based on who the return is going to that's basically the general rule of it back to the text the other person can't take any of these tax benefits unless he or she has a different qualifying child so note that there could be something else happening another child involved in which case 
you know, we could solve some of the some of the difficulties. So for if there's if there's two qualifying child, then the head of household status, for example, might be met by just simply having another another child and the one child that's is not the one that's dependent on in order to qualify for that standing. Back to the text. The tiebreaker rules which follow explain who, if anyone, can claim the EIC earned income credit when more than one person has the same qualifying child. So now we're going to say, all right, well, what, what do we do when the child is there with two people that could, it could be a qualifying child for either one? Well, now you need a tiebreaker type of rule. Back to the text. However, the tiebreaker rules don't apply if the other person is your spouse and you file a joint return. Tiebreaker rules to determine which person can, uh, can treat the child as a qualifying child to claim the six tax benefits just listed the following tiebreaker rules apply so note that these are the tiebreaker rules so now we're saying okay if we had the qualifying child meets all the tests but now they are qualified for two people and so now we need a tiebreaker to see who would basically be able to claim the benefits for the qualifying child here we go if only one of the persons is the child's parent the child is treated as the qualifying child of the parent so if it's between, if the qualifying child is qualifying for a parent and something other than a parent, like a grandparent or something, then the parent would typically win in that case, the tiebreaker rule. Uh, next one, if the parent, if the parents file a joint return together and can claim the child as a qualifying child, the child is treated as a qualifying child of the parents. So again, the parents typically would have the priority. Next item, if the parents don't file a joint return together, but both parents claim the child as a qualifying child, the IRS will treat the child as the qualifying child of the parent with whom the child lived for the longer period, uh, longer period of time. And that's typically going to be one of the major tiebreaker rules you'll kind of see uh, coming up. Where did, the, where did the child live at? They're not really looking at the income so much as uh, as the living. Where did the child live at? That's usually going to be one of the major tiebreaker types of rules. Back to the text, if the child lived with each parent for the same amount of time, the IRS will treat the child as a qualifying child of the parent who had the higher AGI or adjusted gross income for the year. So what if it was split evenly 50-50 child between the two? Well, then you're looking at the higher adjusted gross income. And again, the justification there would be for the, for the IRS saying, well, if they have the higher AGI, then maybe they took uh, the financial care of it or, or something like that would be the rationale, I would assume. Again, that's my interpretation. Back to the text. If no parent can claim the child as a qualifying child, the child is treated as the qualifying child to the person who had the highest AGI adjusted gross income. So it's possible that the child possibly doesn't meet the qualifying child test for anybody. And the IRS doesn't say, well, nobody gets the benefits. That's not, you know, you, the child needs to be reported somewhere. The IRS actually wants the Social Security somewhere, number, somewhere, most likely. So they're going to go with the one uh, that, that's going to have the higher AGI in that case. So again, they're now they're going back to the default of the income limitation. Back to the text. If a parent can claim the child as a qualifying child, but no parent does so claim the child, the child is treated as a qualifying child of the person who had the higher AGI, just a gross income for the year, but only if that person's AGI is higher than the highest AGI of any of the child's parents who can claim the child. So again, that's kind of a, an unusual type of rule depending on the parents versus the AGI of the other individual if no one claimed the child. So it's an unusual circumstance. Back to the text. If your qualifying child is treated under the tiebreaker rules as the qualifying child of another person for 2018, you may be able to take the earned income credit using 
the rules in chapter three for taxpayers who don't have a qualifying child subject so again if they don't that bottom line is if the qualifying child doesn't qualify for you it doesn't necessarily mean you don't get the earned income tax credit you may still get it but not based on that qualifying child i not in maybe no qualifying child in which case the earned income credit would be much lower but possible to still get some earned income credit subject to these tiebreaker rules you and the other person may be able to choose which of you claim the child as a qualifying child see examples 1 through 12. back to the text if you can't claim the earned income credit because your qualifying child is treated treated under the tiebreaker rules as the qualifying child of another person for 2018 you may be able to take the eic earned income credit using a different qualifying child or take the earned income credit using the rules in chapter three for people who don't have a qualifying child so just because one child doesn't qualify doesn't mean that you don't have another child that might qualify you for some earned income credit although the amount will probably be less or uh, or qualify without a child, which means the amount of the earned income credit will most likely be less. Back to the text. If the other person cannot claim the earned income credit, if you and someone else have the same qualifying child, but the other person can't claim the earned income credit because he or she isn't eligible or his or her earned income or AGI is too high, so the earned income credit is too high to claim the earned income credit for the, them, you may be able to treat the child as a qualifying child. See examples 6 and 7, but you can, can't treat the child as a qualifying child to claim the earned income credit if the other person uses the child to claim any of the other five tax benefits listed earlier in this chapter. So note what's happening here. We're saying, well, what, it's too high to claim the earned income credit for one individual, so it, it would be more beneficial than you would think from a tax standpoint for the other person to claim uh, the child but again you can't split up those those basic benefits that could happen between one and the other uh, and so that's going to be one of the restrictions so examples the following examples may help you in determining whether you can claim the earned income credit when you and someone else has the same qualifying child example number one child lived with the parent and grandparent you and your two-year-old son jimmy lived with your mother all year you are 25 years old unmarried and your AGI is 9000 Your only income was 9000 from a part-time job. Your mother's only income was 20000 from her job, and her AGI is 20000 Jimmy's fathers did not live with you or Jimmy. The special rule explained later for divorce and separate parents or parents who live apart doesn't apply, so we're not talking to any special divorce agreement here. Jimmy is a qualifying child of both you and your mother, so note that it's basically the way they set this up here the qualifying child is be, is qualifying under the rules between two individuals mother uh and the mother of the child and the and the mother of the mother <laughs> because he meets the relationship age residency and joint return test for both you and your mother so it meets all the tests however only one of you can treat the qualifying child uh, to claim the earned income credit and the other tax benefits listed earlier in the chapter uh, for which this person qualifies so you can see the situation here so now we've got the situation the child could possibly qualify on two returns but obviously only one can claim for the qualifying child and you might start thinking well you know look at the difference between the agi limitations what's that going to impact on the earned income credit so what you know you could start thinking well what's the difference between the earned income credit for someone who has nine thousand versus twenty thousand of income and whatnot back to the text he isn't a qualifying child of anyone else, including his father. 
If you don't claim Jimmy as a qualified child for the earned income credit or any of the other tax benefits listed earlier, your mother can treat him as a qualified child to claim the earned income credit. So note what they're saying here is, you know, typically you would think the mother would claim the earned income credit with the 9,000 of AGI. But note that the 9,000 of AGI is pretty low. So if you claimed it as 9,000, I mean, you don't even owe any taxes at 9,000 of AGI. If the mother just said, I'm not going to claim as, as the, the child, then the, it would basically kind of possibly default to the mother who has a 20,000 AGI. And you can imagine a situation where this might be applicable. So if you had our test 1040 here, we had, this is just, we're going to keep the name here, but we had, let's say we had someone who was a head of household status. They had two dependents here, two dependents, two children. And we're saying that the earned income is the 9,000. So only 9,000 of earned income with the two children. And we're going to say, well, there, there's no tax that's going to be paid because the standard deduction is greater than that 9,000. Uh, but they might get still money back because of the earned income credit and the child tax credit. So here's the earned income credit. We're just letting the software calculate it here based on uh, the information that we've put in there. And we can imagine a situation and say, all right, well, there's the 3,610 with these two children. What if it's the case? What if one of these children uh, will, is not reported on the return just out of, you know, just to test it out and see what happens on the software? We'd say, all right, well, if we go back, we're going to say that one of the child is not reported for the taxpayer. We're going to say that that'll be the second child, and we'll say that's not going to be reported. So now we're going to say that the mother here, or you know, this tax return, we have Adam. <laughs> Adam's the mother. But here we have now the daughter's the tax preparer. And so now there's the 9,000, still doesn't owe any tax. And now we can see the change to the tax credit of the 3,069 here, it, but it's not a huge change, right? And you can think of then, well, what would happen on the other side? Well, what if the mother then was able to then pick up the tax credit, right? We can imagine this being the starting point. And again, I'm just using the same name. So this family is all named Adam Smith. So this is the mother now. So she's <laughs> single, starting with a single filing status, no dependents. And we've got the 20000 of income. Standard deduction is only 12000 now because it's single rather than head of household. And we've got the 8000 and that would be just 803 that would be owed. So actually paying taxes on the 803 What would happen if, if she got a dependent, basically, was able to claim the dependent in a qualifying child? Well, then it might change the filing status from single to, to head of household, possible, which could be big. And then, and then you'd have the dependent here. And in the child tax credit is not what we're focusing in on here, but you do have questions about the child tax credit. We're looking at the earned income credit at the moment, but those two are both kind of big things that could could uh, be you want to you know look into with regard to the the dependents. And then we've got the wages here, and now this has increased to eighteen thousand from twelve thousand, which brings the taxable income down to two thousand. So the tax is only uh, two hundred and one. And then if the child tax credit applies, then you can consider the child tax credit and whatnot. But we're just looking at the at the earned income credit being calculated just based on this scenario. And this is what the software has on the earned income credit. So this is going to be the basically the earned income credit and then the, you know, the child tax credits. You'd have to consider that. We'll talk more about that in, in other presentations. But just note that, you know, you can see a scenario where it might be beneficial in that case. where you would say, oh, well, it would be better to to have the child. Uh, be claimed possibly as the mother on the mother's return for tax purposes than on the daughter's return. Back to the text example two. 
parent has higher AGI than grandparent. The, fact, the facts are the same as example 1, except your AGI is 25,000. Because your mother's AGI isn't higher than yours, she can't claim uh, Jimmy as a qualifying child. So basically, and I'm not sure exactly why they put that in the, in the rule, but in this case, now they're saying it's all the same, except now the, the mother has, uh, you have a higher AGI than, than your mother. And, and in that case, then the higher AGI has to basically take the credit so you couldn't go through that scenario and transfer. But example three, two persons claim the same child. The facts are the same in example one, except that you and your mother both claim Jimmy as a qualifying child. So now, you, now we have a scenario where both returns, we have two returns filed the same social security number. That's a problem. And the IRS will almost, will very likely kick that back out because the system, they don't need to audit anything randomly. The system will say, hey, there's two social security numbers or two separate tax returns. That shouldn't happen. It's automatic. The system will find it and probably kick that out. So you, if you do that, you, you're pretty confident you're probably going to get a letter so on, on that and questioning what's going on there. So, and then you don't want to do that intentionally and all that kind of stuff, of course, too, because then intent is an issue. So whether it be a mistake or intentional, if two people have the same social security number, two separate tax returns, the IRS is very likely to kick that back out and just automatically have a, a letter on it. So in any case, back to the text. Uh, in this case, you as your child's parent will be the only one allowed to claim Jimmy as a qualifying child for the earned income credit and the other tax benefits listed earlier uh, in which you qualify. So you can see that that's the case, right? They default, they're saying if the mother filed the tax return and, and claimed the child, then the default goes to the filing that, of the mother that, that filed. Uh, and then if they, if they did not file, that's the kind of unusual situation where it could then default and go to uh, someone else, the other qualifying person. But, uh, and, and so that, so you want to basically use that at, to your benefit in a situation where that might benefit when you purposely don't file and have it default otherwise. otherwise then, of course, if you do file, then uh, it would be going to the mother typically in this situation. Okay, back to the text. The IRS will disallow your mother's claims to the earned income credit and any of the other tax benefits listed earlier based on Jimmy. Your mother can't take the earned income credit for the taxpayer without a qualifying child because her AG high is more than 15,270. So they're gonna say, hey, that we're gonna remove the child, which means you're not gonna get an earned income credit because her income is too high to get an earned income credit based on no child, having no child. So of course the earned income credit would, even if her income was around 15, the income credit would be a lot less than it would with a child. Example four, qualify on children split between two persons. The facts are the same in example one, except that you also have two other young children who are qualifying children of both you and your mother. Only one of you can claim each child. However, if your mother's AGI is higher than yours, you can allow your mother to claim one or more of the children. For example, if you claim one child, your mother can claim the other. And that's kind of what we were looking at. You can imagine a situation where that would be beneficial. You can imagine a situation where the mother's spending all of her time taking care of the kids and therefore her income is relatively low whereas the grandmother of the children is take it might be more working more and in that case then it would make sense that you would want it just from a tax lower in the tax bill overall that you would want the child to be on the one with the higher agi might uh, require it might get more of a benefit so you can imagine that situation and, and it's possible to think of a situation where you purposely 
don't uh, report or, you know, you allow the mother to claim by not claiming on the one return. Example five, taxpayer who is a qualifying child. The facts are the same in example one, except that you are only 18 years old. This means you are a qualifying child of your mother. So now we have, now that's an age problem, qualifying child of the mother, which usually disqualifies. Okay, keep continue with the text. Uh, because rule 10 discussed next, you can't claim the earned income credit and can't claim your son as a qualifying child. Only your mother may be able to treat Jimmy as a qualifying child to claim the earned income credit. If your mother meets all the other requirements for claiming the earned income credit and you don't claim Jimmy as a qualifying child for, for any of the other tax benefits earlier, your mother can claim both you and Jimmy as qualifying children for the earned income credit. So now we've got this issue of the, the, when we were saying that you can't be, you can't be allowed to be claimed by someone else, uh, as a qualifying child. And that, and that means that basically it's going to default to the mother or the grandmother of the child for the qualifying child. Example six, grandparent with too much earned income to claim the earned income credit. So what if the grandparent, you know, is able to, to, uh, have the child, but the earned income credit, of course, goes away if her income is too high to take any earned income credit. The facts are the same as the example in one, except that your mother earned 50000 from her job. Because your mother earned income too high for her to claim the earned income credit, only you can claim the earned income credit you know, under your son, using your son, right? She, the mother's income is too high to claim. Example seven, parent with too much earned income to claim the earned income credit. The facts are the same in example one, except that you earned 50000 from your job and your mother earned 50500 Your earned income is too high for you to claim the earned income credit, but your mother uh, can't claim the earned credit either because her AGI is higher than yours. So remember, there, were, there now we've got the limitation on the cap of the earnings to claim the earned income credit. And obviously, if your income gets over a certain level, you don't get the earned income credit because that kind of defeats the point of it. Example eight, separated parents. You, your husband, and your 10-year-old son, uh, Joey, lived together until August 1st, 2018, when your husband moved out of the household. On August and September, uh, Joey lived with you. For the rest of the year, Joey lived with uh, your husband. You, uh, who is Joey's father? Joey is a qualified child of both you and your husband because he lived with each of you for more than half the year and because he met the relationship age and joint return test for both of you. At the end of the year, you and your husband still uh, weren't divorced, legally separated, or separated under the written separation agreement. So the special rule for divorced or separate or parents who live apart doesn't apply. So we're not talking about the special rule for uh, divorce or living apart. Continuing on, you and your husband will file separate returns. Your husband agrees to let you treat Joey as a qualifying child. This means if your husband doesn't claim Joey as a qualifying child for any of the tax benefits listed earlier, you can claim him as a qualifying child for any tax benefit listed earlier for which you qualify. However, your filing status uh, married filing separately, so you can't claim the earned income credit or the credit for child dependent care expenses. So you can see this is kind of an unusual situation where you have a separation, but it's not legally divorced. And if the problem is that typically you can only file the, the tax return if you're legally married, you really only have married or married filing separately. 
unless you become separated legally where you can have single or head of household filing status. And so if you file married filing separately, the problem is there's a direct rule that says you can't claim the earned income credit if, you have, if you're filing married filing separately. You have to file single or head of household, which you may not qualify for under this kind of condition. Uh, so see rule three. So it's clearly under that situation, if you're dealing with the earned income credit, obviously then it's best to either be married or or separated uh, and not get into not have a situation where you have to file married filing joint because that's going to cause uh, problems with the earned income credit. Example nine, and and that's probably good for many many different situations. The uh, married filing separate disallows some kind of credits a lot of times, so it's often not beneficial <laughs> to to do that. Example nine. Separated parents claim same child. The facts are the same as example eight, except that you and your husband both claim Joey as a qualified child. In this case, only your husband will be allowed to treat Joey as a qualifying child. This is because during 2018, a boy lived with him longer than with you. So notice it defaults to who, who did the child live with longer. That's kind of like the first rule, the first test on, on that. So you can't claim the earned in so like so obviously if two returns were filed with the same social security number for the same child then who gets the claim typically the one the child lived with longer um so if you if that's a question you might want to log down you know the days if you have to so okay so you can't claim the earned income credit either with or without a qualifying child because your filing status is married filing separately However, your husband's filing status is also married filing separately, so he can't claim the earned income credit or the credit for child and dependent care expenses. So again, that married filing separately is something you kind of want to avoid if you're, if you're dealing with these kind of credits. You either want to file joint or file uh, have the legal separation so you can file head of household or single typically. Example 10, unmarried parents. Uh, you, your five-year-old son, and your son's father live together all year. You and your son's father aren't married. Your son is a qualifying child of both you and his father because he meets the relationship, age, residency, joint return tests for both you and your father and his father. Uh, your earned income, AGI, is 12000 and your father's earned income is fourteen. Neither of you had any other income. Your son's father agrees to let you treat the child as a qualifying child. This means if your son's father doesn't claim your son as a qualifying child for the earned income credit or any of the other tax benefits listed earlier, you can claim him as a qualifying child for the earned income credit and any of the other tax benefits listed. So note that we have this qualification for both. There, there's no marriage, uh, so we don't have to file. There's no separate there's no married filing separate return or married return necessary here the child qualifies for both so now there's the question of obviously only one can basically claim the child and and in this case they're basically saying there's an agreement of one to claim and not the other and so so example 11 unmarried parents claim the same child so here's the example if there's no kind of agreement on it and, and notice it from the irs standpoint obviously if you have two separate returns one so one claims the social security number the other doesn't the irs is probably thinking their system their computers going oh well that like makes sense at least right we don't have two social security numbers or we don't have a missing social security number or anything like that so it's probably that's probably um, going to be okay now here's the thing that's not going to be okay clearly because the computer system once again is just going to be saying hey 
I've got two different returns with two social security numbers uh, that are the same on two returns. That doesn't make sense. It's going to be kicked out like automatically. This is just, it's just going to pick that up pretty easily typically. So this is the situation where there's going to be a problem. You're going to get uh, notifications and, and then you deal with them from there. If you have to deal with them, you deal with them. But just note that uh, it's going to be picked up typically. So here back to the text. The facts are the same example 10, except that you and your son's father both claim your son is a qualifying child. So that's going to, obviously that's going to be an issue. And again, don't, don't let the fact that it's an issue mean that you shouldn't report if it's right for you to report that situation. Just note that you'll have to most likely deal with a, with a letter and then process further a court in accordance with the rules here. So in this case, only your son's father will be allowed to treat your son as a qualifying child. This is because his AGI is 14,000 is more than your AGI of 12,000. So note, if all the other tests are met and the and the living is basically the same because that's usually the default then it then it goes to the AGI so so usually it goes to who who the uh, son or daughter lived with more and then it reverts to the AGI so uh, that's that so then you can claim the earned income credit without the qualifying child so it's note you can still claim the earned income credit but without a qualifying child which means of course it'll be a lot lower <laughs> than it would with a qualifying child example 12 uh, child did not live with a parent. You and your seven-year-old niece, your sister's child, lived with your mother all year. You are 25 years old and your AGI is 9,300. Your only income was from a part-time job. Your mother's AGI is 15,000. Her only income was from her job. Her niece's parents filed jointly, have an AGI of 9,000, and didn't file with you or their child. Your niece is a qualifying child of both you and your mother because she meets the relationship age residency and joint return test for both you and your mother. However, only your mother can treat her as a qualifying child. This is because your mother's AGI 15,000 is more than your AGI of 9,300. So another kind of default example to the AGI limitation in, in special cases. Special rule for divorce or separated parents or parents who lived apart a child will be treated as a qualifying child as his or her non-custodial parent for purposes of claiming the child tax credit, but not for the earned income credit if all the following statements are true. So, number one, the parents are divorced or legally separated under the uh, decree of divorce or separated uh, maintenance. Uh, B, are separated under a written separation agreement or lived apart at all time during the six months of 2018, whether or not they are or were married. Two, the child received over half his or her support for the year from the parents. And three, the child is the custody of one or both parents for more than half of 2018. Four, either of the following statements is true. A, the custodial parent signs 8332 or a substantially similar statement that he or she will not claim the child as a dependent for the year and the non-custodial parent. So this is that unusual situation, non-custodial, because the custodial parent would usually be the one with the benefits. And this is claiming that the non-custodial parent attaches the form or statement uh, to his or her return. If the divorce decree or separation agreement went into effect after 1984 and before 2009, the non-custodial parent may be able to attach certain pages from the decree or agreement instead of Form 8332. 
B, a pre-1985 decree of divorce or separate maintenance or written separation agreement that applies to 2018 provides that the non-custodial parent can claim the child as a dependent and the non-custodial parent provides at least 600 for support of the child during 2018. So that's going to be kind of the, a special rule within the divorce uh, process. So you want to look into that if you're going through, uh, if there's a kind of special issues within the divorce uh, settlement and make sure you have those laid out. Back to the text. For details, you want to see publication 501. If a child is treated as a qualifying child of a non-custodial parent. So again, qualifying child of a non-custodial parent. Uh, under this special rule, the child of the divorced or separated parents or parents who lived apart, only the non-custodial parent can claim the child tax credit or the credit for other dependents for the child. However, only the custodial parent, if eligible, or another eligible taxpayer can claim the child as a qualifying child for the earned income credit. So note that kind of there's kind of a separation of separate, uh, two separate uh, things there. So just be careful with this special rule. For details and examples, see applying the tiebreaker rules to divorce and separation agreements or parents who live apart. We want to check out publication 501. So if that applies to you, you can start by looking at 501 and get advice from there.